Well, hello, everybody who are here at the uh, Legacy Campus, as well as uh, everybody who is online or at one of our other physical locations. And when I say that, when I talk about physical locations, I do have an announcement about that. So you may not know that we are one church with multiple locations. And we do that because we believe that the best place around the periphery of our reach uh, to if, if it's you know 20 minutes or so to come here, it's a lot easier to invite our friends and neighbors at a place. Hey, it's right here. You know, just come on. And so that's why we do different campuses where we can more easily invite our friends and neighbors who may not know Christ, who may not be part of a church. And so we have these multiple locations. And one of those is in Richardson, and there's a major shift happening for our Richardson campus. I want everybody to know about. And that is as that as all of us have are coming, all of our campuses coming out of the pandemic and regathering, um, we uh, you know in, in trying to get everybody back and all that kind of stuff with Richardson. Um, what we've decided to do is push the restart button, is relaunch that campus um, to build the core, but and get to a place, a location that is more conducive to uh, the kind of environment we want. We love the partnership with the YMCA where it meets, but. Uh, eventually we were trying to get to a, a location we've been looking, haven't found it. So we are pushing the restart button on that campus, which means that it is now a campus launch. And we'll launch more campuses down the road, too. But can't, Richardson is a campus launch. And that's important because if you live in that area, we would love for you to be part of that. In fact, uh, you can uh, do the phone thing on the QR code. If you live in that area, there are Richardson small groups. There are Richardson outreach opportunities during the week. Um, we have we have secured a building for during the week. And so there'll be midweek stuff for different things, for moms, for women, for men, for whatever. I, I mean, there's I'm running out of options. But, you know, there's going to be stuff to do there to not only go, but invite uh, invite friends to as we're building that core to do a full campus and reach that community. So we hope if you're in that area, uh, if you do the QR code thing, it'll and sign up for that. You're not signing your life away. You'll just get some information about what that means. And in December, uh, we'll join our uh, Richardson friends uh, here at the Legacy Campus um, while we're in that launch phase. So that's happening. And again, if you're in that area, I hope you'll, jump, I hope you'll dive in and help us uh, reach that part of our community even better. Um, also, your host probably just told you this. But before I jump into the message on uh, finishing the series, uh, we, who we, uh, how we roll, next week we're starting a new series called Dangerous Prayers. And dangerous prayers are about these big prayers in the Bible that are dangerous to the status quo of our lives if we're brave enough to pray them. And there's some incredible prayers in there. And, and if you're, it's kind of like one of these series where it's like, I double dog dare you, triple dog dare you to come show up and pray these prayers because God will do some amazing things in and through your life, but it will be disruptive. It'll be better, but it'll be disruptive if, you know, because God will take you up on it. I'm convinced of that. And so we start that next week. I'm really looking forward to that. That leads up to our Christmas services. Hope you're thinking about that, who you're inviting and that kind of thing, too. But today we are finishing our series, How We Roll, about the DNA, the values of this church and the church is just you and me. So it's like, how does God call us to roll? And today is one of my favorites. I'm not supposed to play favorites with our DNA statement, but, you know, I, this one is one of my favorites. And that is our best days are ahead of us. Our best days are ahead. Then we're optimistic about the future. We encourage and empower emerging leaders from the next generation who will shape the church for years to come. Now, right now in our culture, it might 
you know, some of you might be really optimistic right now in our culture, but there's a lot of people who just aren't because there's plenty of things going on. You're like, yeah, I don't know. Our best days are ahead. I, I don't know. You know, I don't I don't really feel that or see that because there's a lot of turbulence. There's a lot of issues. There's a lot of stuff going on. It's kind of like uh, like flying. I don't know if you've ever sat next to an anxious flyer. You know, somebody who's really scared to fly and they're freaking out. And um, and that's always interesting to do. Like I, we had a pastor on staff. He's in heaven now. He passed away a few years ago. Uh, his name's Steve McPherson. His wife, Sally, is on our staff as our HR director um, now. And Steve was an amazing guy. And, and I, I traveled with him quite a bit back in the day. And uh, And he was not an anxious flyer in the sense of being scared of what would happen. He was an anxious flyer because he had severe motion sickness and, you know, those barf bags and you wonder who uses those. The only reason I think the airlines have them is for Steve McPherson. Like, I think that, you know, they and so I, and I would sit next to him and I learned the hard way when I flew with him to get one ready. And when I say the hard way, I won't give details. I'll just say I'll never be able to eat breakfast pizza again in my life. I can't. I've never I just can't do it. You can you got the picture. I said I wouldn't go there, right? But I, and uh, so I, I used, to, and, and I learned to have two barf bags ready, not just one. And so he was already really white, but when he got even whiter where he started to disappear, I knew I just needed to hand it over and he would do his thing and then I'd hand over the next one and that was just a thing, right? I've, I've sat next to other people and you might be in that mode where it's just, you know, it, you know, you may even know in your mind, I know, you know, all the stuff you're supposed to know, but still it just, you just have anxiety when you fly and, and then when there's turbulence and you're next to one of those people, you can see them, you know, they're white knuckle, the arm rest and, and they're like, ah, we're going to die. You know, that's going, we're going down and all you're trying to talk him down and all. I think there's a lot of anxious flyers in our world right now, in our culture, as we're flying into the future and there's, and there's some turbulence and there's issues and you think, ah, I don't know. I don't think this is heading a good direction. I think we're headed for a crash. And even, and even, and maybe especially for Christians, I mean, not all of you here or not all of you listening or to the podcast or watching this online are Christians. And that's great. We're a church for everybody on the journey, whether you know Jesus or not. But and so for you, this may not be a big deal, but for a lot of Christians watching or listening or here in the room, it can, you know, you might wonder, man, what, what's happening to Christianity in our culture? Because when you look at like emerging generations, you look at the reputation of Christianity in our culture, it's hard to imagine it worse than it is in terms of how people outside the church view Christianity. And you look at, at emerging generation just kind of jettisoning the church. Um, and in fact, I just saw a statistic that, we, that evangelical churches right now graduate 70% of their kids from their youth ministries to not only just don't go to church, but graduate them from Christianity right now. It's about 1.2 million a year. That's not a great stat, right? That's not what you, and so you think, ah, we're headed for a crash and what's going to happen? And, and in Christianity, it doesn't feel like our best days are ahead. But I challenge that. I really believe they are. Because, you know, individual churches may come and go. Individual ways of doing church may come and go. In fact, they will. But the church itself, Jesus already told us, that's what he's doing in our world. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church isn't going anywhere. Jesus' work in our world is not going anywhere. 
And if we're up for it, if we lean in, if we're open to the new things that he will do rather than hanging on in fear to the way we would rather it be or to the old way or whatever it is, if we're willing to be open to what he's doing, especially, and when you look, especially at a time of major transition and you look at biblical history, you look at church history, it's typically what God does in those times is raise up a new generation who capture a new spirit of Christi- a new spirit of Jesus of church of uh, the Holy Spirit just comes in a powerful way in that generation, and that's what I believe is happening now. And therefore, as a church, and it's always incumbent. This is biblical on church to not just do our thing in our generation, but to always pass on our faith to the next. And, and a big question to always ask is how much is the faith of the next generation worth? And what we're saying as a church with this statement. Uh, our best days are ahead is it's worth everything. Like what's more important than the faith in the next generation as we pass on the faith, as we do everything we can to help the next generation win. And so that means as as a church, we're going to talk today about what does that look like? But again, the church is just you and me. And so what I want us all to be thinking about, and I don't care if you're 14 or if you're 94 to be thinking, Hey, when I think of people who are, who are younger than me, How can I do everything I can to help the next generation win? If you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, how can you as a parent or grandparent? If you're a big brother, big sister, an aunt or an uncle, a neighbor, uh, somebody at work, people in this church, uh, people in my generation in this church increasingly need to be thinking about, hey, it's not just about me. What can we do to empower and release the next generation in our church to to follow Jesus fully into, into the future? And the way we're going to talk about this is by looking at an Old Testament example of one of those times that I mentioned where God, through a new generation, does something incredible. And there is what Christians call a revival. Now, if you're new to church or new to Christianity, the word revival may be scary because maybe the only way you've heard that is like watching movies or TV series about Christians and revival meetings and crazy things happen. You know, they speak in weird languages or throw snakes around or whatever's going on. Slick back hair people doing slick back hair kind of things. And it's just like, ah, I don't want that. And nobody wants that. Um, that's not what we're talking about. What we're, what we're talking about when we talk about revival is a resurgence of vibrant faith. Of a, of a quickening of, 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 of devotion to Jesus in a new way. Where new, not new message, not new truth, the truth stays the same, but new expressions of that 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 come out. And uh, and, and so we're going to look at an example of that and talk about, hey, how can we be part of that? Not resist it, but be part of that because it's always on us to help the next generation win and move into the future that Jesus has for the church and uh, for his movement. So we're going to be, this is one of my favorite, again, I know it's a weird word for some people, but revivals in the in the Bible and this is with a guy named Josiah in a book in the Old Testament called Second Chronicles. His stories in Second Chronicles and Second Kings. He's one of the kings of God's people in the Old Testament. And when he became king at a very young age, as we'll see, it was in a time of incredible spiritual darkness. I mean, we think we have spiritual darkness now, nothing like what was going on then. And this was God's people, God's nation, like in the Old Testament, through him the Messiah would come and all that. And for hundreds of years... It had been spiritually dark. There had not been a godly leader, a godly king in centuries. Not only that, nobody worshiped God anymore. I don't, that's not hyperbole. I mean, literally, the temple was unused. It was in disrepair. Nobody went there. 
They were worshiping idols from surrounding nations. They weren't worshiping God, as we'll see. They, they didn't even know about the Bible. They'd forgotten about it. I mean, it was, it was as spiritually dark as it could be. And you think, oh, this is crashing. It's over. But God does something new. And here's the story in Second Chronicles uh, 34 of Josiah. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. Imagine that. And he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. Now, here's a great summary of a life. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor, David. He did not turn away from doing what was right. During the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, 16, Josiah began to seek the God of his ancestor, David. Then the twelfth year, he began to purify Judah and Jerusalem, destroying all the pagan shrines, Asherah poles, and the carved idols and cast images. So Josiah becomes king in a spiritually dark time. He's eight years old. When he's 16, something happens, and we don't know how it happened. We don't know if it was an influence of some older person or just the Holy... I don't know. God did it. He doesn't tell us. All we know is it says he began to seek the Lord. Now, that sounds soft. It's not. I mean, it sounds like, you know, hide and seek. You know, he's looking. It's God behind the couch. Is he, you know, around in the curtains? Wait, where is he? That's not what he's talking about. When it says seek the Lord, it's talking about what... I mean, all of us seek something. All of us are driven by something. And you can ask yourself the question. In fact, I want you to. What am I? What am I? What's the number one thing that I'm going after in life? Like, what am I driven by? What is most important to me? If somebody were to do an audit of my life and looked at my attention, my time, where I, what I do with my resources, what I, you know, what, why would they say is driving my life is the most important thing to me? And so when it's when the Bible talks about seeking the Lord, that's what it's talking about. It's saying that Josiah sought the Lord. Like that was that was what drove him. And it's really important to ask ourselves this if we're going to pass on the faith to the next generation. And in fact, this is the most important one principle in the whole talk about that, because you and I can only pass on to others what we already have. I can't give you something I don't have. And therefore, the best thing I can do to influence the next generation of people in my life is to develop a vibrant faith. Where God is the God is the main point of my life. He's who I'm seeking. His purpose is, or is what driving my life and decisions. And if I have a vibrant faith that's worth passing on, then it can be caught. If not, if I just you know want hope that happens, but I'm not driven by it, it's never going to happen, right? So the most important thing we can do is to develop the kind of faith that we want the next generation to have. So that there's models and all that kind of stuff. Well, for Josiah, at a very young age, he gets going. Now, for the good news, that's really good news for the nation because he's the king. He has a lot of influence. And so when he's 20 years old, as we just read in his 12th year, when he's 20, he decides to just get rid of idolatry in the nation. That was really bold because people would have really liked their, their, all those gods and idols. And he said, yeah, that's over. We're not doing it anymore. And he tears all that down. But even more important... At 26, he does something that has bigger influence. At 26, he decides to rebuild, repair the temple so that people can worship God. That they can do what we're doing right now. They could come and gather and hear from God and sing songs and encourage each other. And, and back then they did the sacrifices and that whole thing too. And, and where people could encourage each other, connect to God, worship Him. And nobody was doing it. And so he's going to say, okay, we're doing that again. And so as they're repairing the temple and getting it ready, they find these scrolls, which are books. 
Because that's the way books were back then on scrolls. They found these scrolls. You know what the scrolls were? The Bible. They had lost it. Nobody even knew they lost it. And I mean, they were so far away from God that they lost the Bible and didn't know it was gone. They didn't miss it. And so these these guys give it to the priest who gives it to Josiah. But and we'll see what he does with it. But they lose the Bible. Now, this is my teaching Bible. And um, I have, you know, I'm a pastor. So as you can imagine, I have a lot of Bibles. But this is my teaching Bible. And what you may not know, and, well, I'm sure you don't know, is that, you know, backstage back there, there's a green room that's light, but backstage is really dark. And there's been probably four or five times a year, I'll be backstage instead of seat, sitting in my seat. And I'll, I don't know why I do this, but I mean, it's a dark Bible and I'll put it, ba- I'll, I'll put it down somewhere backstage and then go back to the green room thinking, oh, I'll remember where I put it. And then I come out right before I'm supposed to speak. And I'm like, I don't know where it is. And, uh, and so I come out all calm, but often my heart's still beating because I've been trying, panicking, looking for my Bible backstage. And God's helped me every time. I've found it every time, but sometimes there's like one second before I'm supposed to come out. And, uh, and I act like all, oh, welcome to Chase Oaks. I'm so glad you're here. But my heart's going, ah, you know, boom, 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 you know, trying to calm down. And uh, I'm sure at one point that's going to happen and it'll be a short sermon. But and so I, I lose the I lose my Bible, but they lost the Bible Bible. Like, isn't that crazy? Like they literally lost the Bible. And, and so this dude finds it, gives it to the priest. The priest gives it to Josiah. And Josiah's like, I've, I think I've heard about this. And here's what he does. He's going to call the nation back. Verse 34. And the king went up to the temple of the Lord with all the people of Jerusalem, of Judah and Jerusalem. So he, call, he says, everybody, you're showing up for this. This is big. And when the king says it, people do it. Along with the priests and the Levites, all the people from the greatest to the least. There the king read to them the entire book of the covenant. You think my sermon's long? <laughs> that had been found in the Lord's temple. The king took his place of authority beside the pillar. So he reads the Bible that was written up to that point. In the pillar and renewed the covenant in the Lord's presence. He pledged to obey the Lord by keeping all his commands, laws, and decrees with all his heart and soul. He promised to obey all the terms of the covenant that were written in the scroll. And he required everyone in Jerusalem and the people of Benjamin to make a similar pledge. The people of Jerusalem did so, renewing their covenant with God, the God of their ancestors. That's revival, renewal, resurgence, a massive turning to God as people are are devoted to him and willing to submit to his will revealed in his word, because we understand that life that is really life is not about doing what you want to do. It's actually being smart enough to realize there's a God who created us and who's revealed wisdom to us. And so it's a life of submitting to his will and serving his purposes. And there's this massive turning to God, this massive revival, what we'd all want to see in our culture. Now, a few thousand years later, you and I, we're not in danger of losing the Bible Bible. I mean, there's enough copies in hotel rooms that we're fine on that. Like, you know, nobody's going to be like, nobody, we can't find it. We don't know. We're like, we've, it's, on, it's online. Like, there's no way that's going to happen. What we're in danger, and every generation, though, is in danger of, is losing devotion to God and his word. It is losing vibrancy of faith that's worth passing on. 
or of getting off course, off mission, off kilter. And we all do it. I mean, just natural and sin nature, that's going to happen. And that's why there's always these resurgences or kind of corrective as God restores vibrant, accurate, passionate worship of God. And typically how God does that, like with Josiah, and he's a 16-year-old, he raises up a whole new generation. And that's why we can say, we believe that's what God's up to, that our best days are ahead of us. It's why as a church, it, we, 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 don't want, we want to be preventative on this. We don't want to lose devotion to the Bible. And it's why we want to make sure we do everything we can to help the next generation win in life and win spiritually and know God and serve him. It's why we want to do what um, Asaph in Psalm 78 says. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them. Even the children not yet born, and they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation after generation after generation should set its hope anew on God. It's always incumbent on every generation to make sure we're passing it on to the next and setting up the next generation to win. That's why we as a church, like for us, all, I love all of our ministries and they're all great, but children's ministry, kids go, youth ministries are just so stinking important to us because that's the next generation. And those of you who are involved in Kids Co., those of you who are involved in children's ministry, those of you who are involved in student ministry, and you're, you're like heroes to me. There, I, I can't imagine a better investment of your attention in life and all than, than investing in the next generation. And thank you for And if you're looking for a place to serve, man, those are great places to serve. And, and, and you may not know this. I think this is just so cool. We have a, a lot of our volunteers in Kids Co. are high school students and junior high students who serve with kids. And I love that because our kids grow up knowing what, what they think high school kids are, are people who are passionate about Jesus and following after him. That's what they know about high school kids, which that's awesome, right? Because then it gives them a model. That's the way I'm going to do high school. Same way in our student ministries, we have a lot of young adults, college students who serve in our student ministry. And then I love that because then what's a college student? Somebody who's passionate about Jesus, somebody who's following his prayer. You know, so, so, so vital and important. And if you have kids, let me encourage you to make sure your kids are regularly in kids go in, and in youth ministry as well. Like on Kids Go, you may not realize it, but we have scope and sequence the way uh, from like toddlers all the way up to seniors in high school. Uh, there is a scope and sequence underneath everything we talk about every weekend. A, a curriculum that just says, hey, over time, what do we want to make sure that people are getting as they're growing up and as they're facing different things to make sure that they, uh, they have a good, solid foundation for their Christian faith? And that's why it's really important to have them there as much as possible. Because otherwise, I mean, the average churchgoer right now in our country goes about one out of every seven weeks. And that means that you kind of miss most of, of what's there for your kids to get. And so let me encourage you to just make sure they show up. Um, and same way with high school, uh, junior high and high school. Because what happens there is there's adults and there's uh, other people who will say the same thing you are, but when a, you know, when a, like when a kid's four, they think you're the smartest person in the world. 
when a kid's 14, right? You've all of a sudden, like some are 12, you're like the stupidest person in the world. And even though those people may say the same exact thing that you would say, they'll do it. If somebody else says it, it'll sound great. If you say it, it won't. And so just natural development, and you may not like that, but it doesn't matter because you did that to your parents anyway. And so it's just the way it works in human development. So have your kids there. All we're saying is that, that, man, that's such an important part of what we do. As well as a church, we're always in the process. I am now in my age of passing the keys as much as possible to younger leaders. And I have a role to play as an older leader to encourage, to resource, to do... I, I, but increasingly, my job is to empower the next generation to lead our church in the future because we don't want to be a one-generation church. We want to be a church that can impact generation after generation after generation. And, the, you know, the most important people in this are people in the older generations who have something to pass on, who have prayer, who have encouragement, who have a model of how to live for God and who have knowledge and all that. And so please understand, it's just a big part of what we do as a church because what we want is a bunch of Josiahs. That God can use to impact a culture. I mean, here's what 2 Kings 23 says about Josiah. Never before had there been a king like Josiah who turned to the Lord with all his heart and soul and strength, obeying all the laws of Moses. And there's never been a king like him since. What a great tribute. This 16-year-old. In the cool, one of the reasons I'm so excited about the future of not just church in general, but our church is not only are we committed to, you know, helping the next generation win, but as I meet students and college students and young adults and high school students, I mean, it's just so cool to see God at work in a new way. As I meet people in Gen Z in our church, like there is a God is doing something unique. God is doing something fresh. God is awakening and, uh, and working in ways that are massively cool. And I want to learn from that all I can. I want to support that all I can. I want to be part of empowering that. And just to give you a flavor for that, um, I, and, and you'll understand, man, why are you so excited about the future? Because every time I talk to them, I'm like, this is so awesome. I can't wait for them to have, you know, their to, to have the keys to this church. Because it's, it's amazing what God's doing. I want you to hear from one of those uh, people in our church. And that's Riley Thomason. Who is a student at Texas A&M. But don't hold that against her. So Riley come on up. Now I know that's a good place. But, um, so yeah please welcome Riley Thomason to the stage. Um, so Riley thank you Hi. for being here. Oh absolutely. And uh, and. You know, you were, uh, you've grown up in our church. You were an intern yes. a couple of years ago. We have a summer internship for students. We have residencies as well. because, And that's all about building into the next generation. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and it's not just about building in. Like you, I mean, you're going to say, I mean, these are amazing people that, uh, that give so much back uh, to our church and, and help guide it forward. And so, Riley, I just wanted to have a conversation a little bit. Um, when we think about what God is up to in your generation and how we as a church can help the next generation win. And so, um, and you're a senior at A&M, right? If yes. I remember, yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, going to graduate school. Yes, planning think, to. Planning <laughs> to, okay. All right. So let's talk about your generation a little bit, okay? okay. So um, when, when you think of people in your generation who don't know Jesus, the unchurched 
people in your generation. How would you describe their perception of church, of Christianity right now? Yeah, um, I would say across Gen Z, there's a lot of religious skepticism, um, just a lot of mistrust for authority in general, um, but also apathy. Um, Our generation, um, Gen Z specifically, which is the people born after around 1996, roughly, um, we're seeing a lot of... um, people coming out of just more diverse homes and not being raised at all um, with a background in church. So they're lacking that spiritual, um, those spiritual leaders in their life. Um, So it's increasingly important that we um, step into that as a church. We move into that because right now there's just an absence of that um, spiritual leadership. Yeah. So in light of that, you know, when I say God being at work and I know you see that, um, what, what would you say, like, what encourages you about Christians and your generation and what God seems to be up to? Like, what, what are you seeing? What are you sensing? Yeah, um, so as a university student, I'm seeing sort of a revival, if you will, of really the Holy Spirit moving and equipping people to serve right where they're at, which is incredible um, to see just people starting middle school all the way up, um, serving where God's placed them, whether it be serving at a summer camp and teaching those younger than them or um, leading discipleship groups, Bible studies, um, worship, all of these kind of just using their skills to benefit um, the kingdom. And it's really incredible. I'm really encouraged for sure. Um, I, I really do believe like our best days are ahead of us in regards to where our generation's headed. Yeah, it feels like there's going to be a new expression. There already is a new expression of faith and a new expression of hope and a new expression of love um, that I think not only be rich, but even corrective, you know, and yeah. as we move forward. But how, how can we um, how can we as a church, how can we as individuals kind of be part of that? How can we help your generation win? Yeah, um, kind of going back to that lack of spiritual leadership, um, just stepping into that, in that absence, in that void. Um, and whatever your skills are, whatever um, you have to give, whether it be radical hospitality, showing up, kids love food. Um, so just yeah. being there, um, being a presence, um, praying fervently for the next generation. I can't stress that enough. Um, just every day thinking about this is our future, um, and so I can't stress that enough. But also just serving. Um, if you haven't had a talk with a, with a young person lately, highly recommend. Very insightful. Um, and it's a mutual, mutually beneficial relationship for sure. Um, I've benefited personally a lot from intergenerational discipleship. Um, and that's helped me become the leader that I am today. And I'm very thankful for those people in my life. And I think um, we need more people like that who are willing to just take that first step and say, hey, do you want to start a relationship? Um, let's talk about faith. Let's, let's get into it. So, and It feels like there's more openness to that in your generation of wanting people to speak into their Definitely. life than I think when I was in that Definitely. year age. We're, yeah. we're the loneliest generation, so the statistics say. And so stepping into that need for community um, as a church, that's an awesome place. Um, the church should be a place where people feel safe. Um, where people feel comfortable and creating that community is, I think, the best thing that we can do. Can we thank Riley? And uh, thank you so much. And I'll whoop or whatever you want me to do. Uh, is that right? Whoop. I forget the A&M thing. Somebody, Jeremy, say whoop. There you go. That's the thank way you. to say it. I can't say it that way. So um, 
here's what I want us to do, okay, as a church. And, and because we're going to increasingly, it's just what God calls us to do, right? To, to do everything we can to help that generation win. And sometimes people think, well, are you saying that's the only one that's important? And, not, you know, they're more important. And, and no, that's not the point. In fact, people in like my generation and beyond become really important in passing on the faith to the next. It's just a shift of perspective and a shift of, hey, I've got a responsibility and, uh, and so as we pray, as we encourage, here, here's how I want to, um, when you, here's how I want us to move to action here. So when you came in, you should have gotten a little three by five card. If you didn't, um, maybe there's an usher somewhere that'll grab it for you. And at home, you can just grab a piece of paper if you're watching online. But what I'd like you to do, there should be some pens in front of you here in the room, is on one side of the paper... I want you to write down the name, at least one name of somebody who, when you were younger, or even now, but just somebody older than you, who showed up for you in some way, who was there for you, who encouraged you, who prayed for you faithfully, maybe, who gave you an opportunity, who mentored you, who resourced you somehow or something, like just somebody who was really influential in your own life, who was a a generation or two ahead of you. So go ahead and write down one of those names. Like, I'm, do it. I'm watching you. I can see you. <laughs> Act like it. Humor me. Um, and write down that name. Because what I want you to do between now and the end of the year is reach out to that person. If they're still alive. And, and if they're still alive, uh, then send them a note or call them and just say, hey, I, I want to thank you. I'm not sure you know how significant of a person you are in my life. And that'll make their year. By doing that, even if you think they know, they don't know. So just reach out and and write them a note, call them, email them, whatever. I think the more personal, the better, is my opinion. And and if they're in heaven, and I do this from time, I'll I'll just say, God, um, would you tell? I do this all the time, like with my dad, or would you tell my dad one more time, thank you for being so amazing. And uh, and so you know, let God. Pass it on if they're already in heaven, but maybe find a person as well who's here. And then on the next page, on the, next, on the flip side, I want you to write the name of a person in your life. And it, you could do two, you could do three, you could do five. I'm just saying at least one person in your life that you could encourage who's in a generation below you. I mean, so if you're a high school student, right, you may have people in your life who are middle school or elementary, or if you're... You know, and so, so on, okay? So you don't have to be 56, which is what I am to do. That's like whatever your age group is, like there's somebody in your life. And what I want you to do is not just write down their name, but, but by the, again, by the end of the year, maybe this week, reach out to them. Uh, commit to pray for them and just encourage them somehow. It may just be a note to say, hey, I want you to understand, I think you're amazing and here's why. And I, I'm going to be praying for you. And if there's a way I can be helpful, I'm in. Like, I want to do anything I can to help because I believe, I believe you're an amazing person that's going to make a big impact in this world. Or whatever you want, however you want to say it. Um, I, I want to be there for you. You let me know how I can do that. And I'm in. And again, nobody's going to mind hearing that. We all want people... We all, we all need people in our life who believe in us, who are proud of us, and who are there for us. And just be that for somebody. And however you want to communicate to them, communicate to them.
And as we go into the future, I know there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of turbulence, you know, for anxious flying into the future. But I hope today has been kind of like, you know, like when the pilot comes back sometimes and talks to people and you're like, um, shouldn't you be up there? But, you know, they come back and of course it's on autopilot most of the time anyway. But when the, when the pilot comes back and I hope today has been kind of like God, the pilot coming and saying, hey, you know what? I know you may be nervous, but I'm the pilot. I know what I'm doing. I promise you, we're going to get to an incredible destination. But in our case, we actually have a role to play. We're not just sitting around. We have a role to play in passing on the faith to the next generation and setting up the next generation to win. So as a church, may let's play our part. And as individuals, let's play our part with people that God's put in our life. And to that end, let's, let's pray together. Father, I thank you for people who've built into our lives, who've encouraged us, who've modeled for us. And would you help us do that for others? And I, and I pray that you will put one or two or five people in, in just in our head right now, in our heart, that we can reach out to and encourage and, and give us wisdom as to know what that means. And I pray that we open to each other, that younger generations will be open to the wisdom of the older and older to the fresh ideas of the younger. And just as a church, help us to navigate a time of transition really, really well. And Father, I really do believe that you are in the process on the verge of a significant turning to you in our culture. And I pray that will happen. What we call revival, that that will happen and that you would help us to be part of that. In Jesus' name, amen.